All right, well, it's my pleasure to invite Pastor Umberto to the stage. Uh, this is a man with a heart for, um, for planting churches, and so uh, we were prepared to uh, begin doing some international missions trips as a church, and Scott Jackson, who's one of the elders here, works with a group called Churches and Missions, and uh, he came to us and said, we found the perfect partner for you. This is a church in Brazil. They're the same age as you. They just celebrated their 15th anniversary. We're coming up on our 16th anniversary. They've planted multiple churches in their region and have a heart for planting churches. And uh, he's like, I think this partnership will be really great. And so we've sent three teams down. And now this is our first opportunity to bring, bring you and your lovely wife up with us. And, uh, and so it's been a joy to worship with you and, and to be here with you. And so we're very excited for the message that you'll bring for us today. So thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here. I thank God for bringing us here this morning. And I, I'd like you to open your Bibles to, to the book of John, chapter 11. John 11, 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured the perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now we we'll go to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God can give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. 
when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb and mourned there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she felt at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord. They replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the, the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hand and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a clothes around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Amen? Okay, here we have a miracle. And it happened many, many years ago. 2,000 years ago. But, as we look at this passage of the scriptures, we don't see a miracle only. We see lessons we can learn from this miracle. So, this morning, I'd like to talk to you about lessons from a miracle, right? And what lessons can we learn from this miracle? Number one, don't let your life be driven by your feelings. This is the number one lesson I'd like to share with you this morning. Do not let, do not let your life be driven by your feelings. And Jesus was there not only to perform a miracle, not only to bring Lazarus to life again. Jesus was there to teach them this lesson. Don't let your life be led by your feelings. Why do I say that? Because as we look at this story, we see that there was sadness all around. Jesus was sad. People was sad. Martha was sad. Mary was sad. 
everybody was sad there. Also, we see that people wept. And the verse number 35 tells that Jesus also wept. So the feelings weren't so good that day. Everybody was down. Everybody was sad. Everybody was mourning. And Jesus himself felt that way. And the sweet, and, and, but he, but his feelings didn't make him forget his purpose. He had a purpose going there. His feelings were not good. He was sad. He was crying. He was weeping together with them. His emotions were the same people was feeling that day. But he didn't allow his he didn't allow his feelings to stop him from his purpose. Friends, God made us with intelligence and emotions. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we smile, sometimes we cry. So it's normal for you if you cry. And when you cry, it brings you some relief, especially if you cry before God, right? So it's normal for us human people, human beings, to laugh, to smile, and sometimes to cry. We have emotions. God made us with emotions. We have feelings. But we don't have, but we don't need our feelings to drive our lives, right? We don't need our feelings to drive our lives. Why? Because our feelings are like this. Sometimes we are up, but sometimes we are down. Okay? Sometimes we are there. Sometimes we are here. And that's what Jesus is telling us. Don't let your life be led by your feelings. I'm here together with you. I'm crying together, together with you. I'm weeping with you. I'm feeling the same emotions you are feeling. I'm feeling the same feelings you are feeling. But I have a purpose. And my feelings won't stop me of doing the purpose I'm here to do. Amen? Lesson number two. Don't let your life be driven by negative people. Mary was the first one to meet the Lord that day, and she told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 32. So she was not only telling him this, she was telling him, you didn't come. 
you failed. You were not here at the moment we needed you to be here. You, you let him die. Mary was the first when he met this, that morning. And some of them said like this, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Negative words, right? Negative words. And nowadays, we have to learn it from Jesus. Don't let your life be driven by negative people. Don't let your life be driven by negative words. Because uh, not everybody has a blessing mouse. Not everybody shares encouraging words. That's why you should not share your dreams to everybody. That's why you should, you should not share your dreams with everybody. Because not everybody open the mouth to bless you, to encourage you, to lift you up. And sometimes you listen to negative words. Even if you did not ask people to tell you this kind of words, right? And Jesus teaches to put filters here, right? One filter here, another one here. And negative words. Don't let them come down to your heart. Don't let your life be driven by negative people. And negative people are, ev and they are everywhere. You meet, them in, you meet them when you go to the school. You meet them when you go to work. Sometimes you meet them. Even at home, when it happens, just check your filters, okay? Lesson number three, don't let your life be driven by what you see. It's very important for for us to think about it this, this morning. Think together with me. When Jesus arrived at that place, looking around, Jesus saw unbelievers. Unbelievers were there, and he saw them. Jesus also saw mourning people Crying people, they were there, all around. And Jesus saw a cave. Jesus saw a cave, 
and Jesus saw a cave with a stone. And he was told that inside that cave was a dead man, four days dead. But he didn't live by sight. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, he, he told us that we should not live by sight but by faith. Jesus saw sad people, unbelievers, a cave, a stone, and he was told there was a dead man inside the cave. But even seeing those things and those people, he told himself, yes, that's what I see. But I won't let my life and I won't let my ministry and I won't let my mission be driven but by what I see. And we've got to learn this because sometimes we see things that lift us up. Sometimes we will see things that bring us joy. As I met my friends, I felt joy. As I came here this morning, I felt joy. As I saw your church building the first time, I felt glad. But not every day and not every time we see things like that. Like this. Okay. Sometimes you see things. Bad things. Communicating, commu communi commun communicating bad messages. And you got to decide. What I see is not good. I don't like it. It doesn't help me. It doesn't bless me. That's what I see. And I won't let these things I see drive my life. That's why Jesus decided. I see sadness, unbelief, a cave, a stone, but... I won't forget my purpose here. And my purpose here is this one. I will bring him back to life again. Amen. Don't let, don't let your life be driven but by what you see. Number four. Don't let your life be led by a mistaken theology. As you look at this text, we see that Jesus gave them two commandments. Number one, verse 39, when Jesus, tell, when Jesus tells them, take away the stone. Take away the stone. And the other one is in verse 44, when Jesus tells them, 
when Jesus told them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Two things we see here. Jesus, the one who told Lazarus to come out of the cave, was, was he able to take the stone away? What do you think? Was he able to take the stone away? Yes. But he didn't. The same Jesus who told him, Lazarus, come out, was, his a was he able to take that grave clothes away? Yes. But he didn't. And why didn't he do that? What do you think? He was able to do that. He could do that. He's almighty God. He was there and he told the dead man to come out and he did. But now, he look at people and he's and he, tell, and he tells them, take the stone away. And later, he tells them, take Jesus' grave clothes off. I'm going to tell you one thing. He didn't do it because he knew those people was able to do that. And why did I tell you not to let your life be driven by a mistaken theology? I told you that because today, nowadays, I don't know if they do, if they do, if they do this right here in the U.S., but there in Brazil, there are some preachers who are telling people, come to church and be sure, God will do everything for you. Rest. Don't worry. Just come to church. To just come to church, and be sure that God will do everything for you. And I'm here this morning to tell you. God won't do everything for you. Humberto, did you come from Brazil to tell me that God won't do everything for me? Is this the word you, you brought to share with me this morning? Yes. God won't. God won't. He's mighty. He's powerful. He can do it. But he won't. Why? Because he knows that there are things you can do. Sometimes God does things we can do. But that's not the role. Right? Sometimes 
he does it. Most of the time, God expects you to do what you can do by yourself, and he will do the impossible. Amen? As we look at the Bible, we see many miracles. But if you pay attention to those miracles we see in the Bible, we see that there is always there's a partnership between God and man. Partnership. Right here, Lazarus came out, but people took the stone away. Right here, Lazarus walked again, but people had to take those clothes off and let him go. If you take a look at the Bible, you see the Bible teaching you there's always a partnership between man and God. And God expects you to do the possible while he himself will be in charge of doing the impossible. Trust him. Believe in him. God bless work. Don't let televisions, don't let TV preachers deceive you. They promise miracles. If you give, if you send them some money, they promise you miracles. If you go meeting them, they promise you miracles, many miracles. And they try to make you believe that it's going to happen just because you look for them. And, you, and they try to make you believe that it's going to happen. And you don't need doing anything. That's not true. God will do for you the impossible. And he expects you to do everything that is possible for you. God bless work. These days here, As I go from place to place and I see how big, how large, how huge is your nation, how blessed is your nation, I know God laid his hands upon this nation since from its beginning. But I also know that this big nation was built as a result of hard-working men and women. The same lesson may be applied to your church. The same lesson may be, may be applied to your life. Maybe this morning you feel so tired. Maybe this morning you feel afraid. Maybe, maybe this morning you feel sad. And I came here to tell you, trust God. 
stand up and tell him, Lord, I'll do the possible. I promise you, I'll do the possible. And I believe you'll be my partner. And I believe you'll be together with me. And I believe you take my hand. And I believe you'll be by my side. And I believe you do the impossible for me. Amen.